Welcome to the 284th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Susanna Lee, author of the nonfiction book, Detectives in the Shadows, A Hard-Boiled History. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Susanna Lee. Susanna is a professor of French and comparative literature at Georgetown University. Her previous books have included Hard-Boiled Crime Fiction and The Decline of Moral Authority and A World Abandoned by God. Her new book is Detectives in the Shadows, A Hard-Boiled History. Susanna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for asking me. Sure. Well, what sparked your personal interest in hard-boiled detective fiction and films? Oh, gosh. Um, well. I've always, I've always loved detective fiction, and um, when I was a graduate student, I had the opportunity to teach a class called Hard-Boiled Crime Fiction um, to undergrads, and it was pretty popular, and we read, you know, Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler and all that, and also I would say that up at the Yale Library, there was an entire section of the library that was devoted to basically, you know, pulp novels from the 1930s and 40s that looked like they hadn't been checked out in about 50 years. And um, so I kind of sat up there and got to do all the reading that I wanted. And I don't know, I just loved it. So that's how it all started. Great. Well, many people are familiar with the private detective character in fiction and films. And in fact, this summer, HBO is airing a new take on the iconic Perry Mason character. I know. And and in this new version, the character starts the series as a private detective before becoming a lawyer. So even though many people are familiar with the private detective in literature and film, they may not know the true origins of the private detective in literature. Can you explain the origins of private detective literature? Well, private detective literature, and that's a great question, and I'm glad you mentioned Perry Mason, because not only is it great to see Matthew Reese in anything at all, but I think they're doing a really great job on that show. So... Um, I mean, private detectives in literature have, you know, didn't start in America and didn't start with hard-boiled. They basically started with Edgar Allan Poe writing, you know, Murders in the Rue Morgue with Auguste Dupin. Um, and But the, the hard-boiled character who has become a sort of beloved American icon in books and in film is a sort of weird hybrid of Poe's, you know, deductive reasoning genius and the American Western frontier model of bravery and toughness and independence. So what we think of as hard-boiled crime fiction came to exist in the early 1920s when an author named... Carol John Daly created a couple of characters. Terry Mack was the first one and Race Williams was the second. And when I say second, I mean, he was the second by like two weeks, you know, because they would publish in these pulp 
um, magazines like Black Mask, and they came fast and furious. And readers could buy them for a dime and read quite a lot of stories for not very much money. And so those characters took off. And then you had Dashiell Hammett, who created the Continental Op. And although he's much better known for later writing The Maltese Falcon with Sam Spade, he had many, many stories with the Continental Op. So those two sort of launched the 1920s hard-boiled character. Well, I, I think you I think you talked about it a little bit, but I wondered if you could expand on what what do you think is the kind of uh the allure or the the perennial popularity of private detectives and literature and film what 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 characteristics of the the pi do you think appeal to readers and viewers that's a good question and it's it's one that i answer in my book and i can answer it here too <laughs> so you have to buy the book and of course everyone should read the book that goes without saying absolutely read the book but i will but i will do spoilers here nonetheless and um a private detective will help you in help you the client help you the client in your time of need solve the crime bring the bad guys to justice and yet not be beholden to institutions and establishments that can be weighed down by corruption or incompetence or ennui or apathy or whatever. Basically, a private detective is somebody who gives a damn and is competent. And those qualities alone are enough in this country, um, and especially at this moment, because obviously, you know, we are where we are, and I'm thinking of what's going on now. The idea of somebody who who cares about doing a jo- good job for the sake of doing a good job, um, simply because they want to do the right thing. They're not necessarily some big idealist, and in fact, they might be utterly jaded and even borderline nihilistic, but they nonetheless, for their own, for themselves and for the good of others, simply because it's what they do, they show up. And just showing up is is something on which readers have always put a big premium. And plus, you know, America always loves violence and we love drama and, you know, blood and guts and watching the bad guy suffer a little at the end. Like those ingredients have made that this genre a popular one. Sure. Well, private detectives, like a lot of media and stories in America in the 20th century, started out as the province of white males. However, in the last 20 to 30 years, there's certainly been a renaissance of both female private detective writers, such as Sarah Paretsky and so many other female PI writers, and then Walter Mosley, Gary Phillips, and many other African-American mystery and crime writers. And I should point out, I think that's wonderful, by the way, uh, of the diversity. Um, But I'm just curious, do you find it interesting that uh, those writers decided to write detective novels as opposed to writing a literary novel? Um, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about that. Um. 
the reason I'm pausing is I'm not sure whether I should say it's not really true that the detective novel and the literary novel are two different things. I get, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I mean, and I, I agree with that. <laughs> you have a good point. I think a detective novel can can and often can absolutely be literary. I mean, if you look at Raymond Chandler, his his gift with metaphor was was amazing. Um, it didn't always resonate as literary because he would put it in the mouth of a, of somebody who was kind of saying it out of the corner of his mouth, you know, kind of in in the interest of irony rather than in the interest of sincere philosophical examination. But I would say that in the in the 80s, which is when we readers started to see numerous fictional detectives coming from underrepresented communities, and I would say that the, the answer to your question is that often, and this is again something that I, this is basically what my book is about, right? That private detectives or hard-boiled detectives are a kind of wishful American self-portrait and Americans want to see themselves in these characters. And I think we also want to see these characters represent what, and who we would like to see running the show in this country, right? So in a way, what we lacked in political representation, we made up for in fictional private detectives. And so the detective characters, and you mentioned, you know, Sarah Paretsky, um, who is V.I. Warshawski, is very popular. There was also Sue Grafton, who wrote Kinsey Milhone. Um, other detectives are Sharon McCone and Tess Monahan, created by Laura Lippman, and tons of detectives of color. Um, Easy Rollins, you mentioned Walter Mosley. Blanche White, who was written by um, Barbara Neely, who recently passed away. Um, Eloise Norton, created by Rachel Housel Hall, Pete Fernandez by Alex Segura. The private detectives fill sort of fill that space where underrepresented communities want to see themselves and each other out there doing things, fixing things, exerting the power that we know we deserve and exerting the competence that we know we have. And so the books kind of give us that narrative that we don't always see reflected in actual political life. That's great. Well, in your book, you you also discuss Jessica Jones, a Netflix series. Yeah. How does Jessica Jones fit into the landscape of private detective film and literature? How does she? Well, I would say that... As although there has been no slowdown in the writing of books, there has definitely since, you know, 1970 been a massive influx of television. And the hard-boiled characters that people can sort of bring to mind quickly are you know, in the last 50 years, God, I realized that 1970 was 50 years ago. That, <laughs> oh. That's a whole, <laughs> that's another whole another thing I'm going to have to sit and process for a while. But like, 
but um but yeah they're as they're as often televised as they are written and in the 70s you had you know the rockford files and harry o and starsky and hutch and then you went into the 80s with magnum pi and um miami vice and all of that business and um but jessica jones um melissa rosenberg who's the showrunner of that tried to get it aired in i think 2012 i'm not quite sure maybe edit that part out um but she is a character who is very much in the hard-boiled mode meaning the shops of her apartment are kind of shabby. She's always wearing jeans and a tank top. She's drinking whiskey right out of the bottle, which are all kind of classic um, hard-boiled tropes. And she is bummed out and she's traumatized and she's kind of given up on herself, but she doesn't give up on others. And that very much, you know, puts her in both visually and characterologically, if you will, with hard-boiled people. The one funny thing about, not funny, but the one sort of a bit odd thing about Jessica Jones is she is, you know, she's from the Marvel Universe, so she has these um, superpowers, right? She's extremely strong. And one, I think, and this is something I also talk about in the book, one of the obstacles to having, you know, historically an obstacle to having a a female hard-boiled detective is that in real life, women are subject to such relentless violence. And much of it simply by the fact that on the average, you know, the male body is stronger than the female body. And so the idea of a the idea of a of a hard-boiled female detective who was going to win every fight, it's hard to make that realistic unless she's an absolute whiz with a gun. And what Jessica Jones does is use physical strength. But what she doesn't have, she doesn't have emotional superpowers. She doesn't have mental superpowers, right? So she is human. She's fully human in that way. And thus she has that relatability that readers have always looked for and appreciated in characters from this genre. So as you mentioned earlier, there there were, um, uh, if I understood you correctly, there were um, kind of uh, international uh, precedents for kind of the private detective or private investigator. But would you also argue, especially given what you were saying in terms of the the um, Western um, ideals in in PI that 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 now the genre is is kind of uniquely American, almost like jazz or hip hop music? No, I wouldn't. No? I would say that the I would say that the American character model is uniquely American. But if you look, for example, in there are there are other countries who have 
hard-boiled traditions of their own. I'm thinking of Scandinavian noir. I'm thinking of, for example, French hard-boiled, which is, I would say, as hard-driving and as, um, what do you call it, nationally identified as the American. Like, the American hard-boiled character brings to life a certain a compendium of certain key classically American cultural types like toughness, like independence, like anti-intellectualism, like straight talking, um, in like inherent distrust of establishments. Those are American hard-boiled qualities. So I would say that part of it, yeah, it's definitely American. But if you go over to France, for example, you have characters who are, you know, the people aren't big and tough-talking and good-looking and muscly. They are sometimes in an existential crisis. They are, they are poetic. They appreciate aesthetics. They are more identified, more akin to the romantic heroes that, that for France constitute a kind of national character type, if that makes sense. Sure. Well, as a scholar who has studied private detectives in film and literature, what excites you about current writers or filmmakers? What excites me about, um, I am, well, right now, because I'm, you know, largely, uh, stuck at home with the kids. I'm just glad that a lot of people are writing so that I have more things to read. So, um, I, I like seeing, I like seeing big diversity in, the characters. And I mean, I mentioned earlier that often like as a nation, what we've lacked in political representation, we made up for in fictional private detectives and it's impossible, you know, it's impossible to read detective fiction, especially now without looking at the national context that we're reading in, you know, why do we read? Um, and especially right now, why do we read, you know, some of it is escapism, but what are we, you know, things are kind of dire outside. What are we, what are we escaping? And what are, what do we want to escape to? And what in real life do we want to get to, right? And what I think is cool about the, a lot of the writers writing these days is that they have a more community-minded, collaborative model of action and engagement that is less sort of intensely individualistic for individualism's sake. And it respects the individual and in all her or his unconventionality, but at the same time emphasizes the strength of a community and people working together. And the fact that that's happening in fiction and that it is also happening in real life makes it exciting to read. So if someone listening wanted to kind of sample 
wouldn't necessarily say the best, but but if they wanted to uh, to get a sense of uh, private detective novels and literature in 2020, are there specific writers or books that have um, that you would that you would put on a reading list and that you would recommend? You mean books that came out in 2020? No, not necessarily specifically in 2020, but let's say like the last five years. If if you were looking at um, if you were looking at private detective literature and say the 2010s that you would point to, you should definitely read or or pay attention to X writer. Um, I would say, um, let's see. Stephen Mac Jones, who uh, I think his last book is called Lives Laid Away. That's a 2020 book. Um, Kristen um, Lepionka's latest, which is called Once You Go This Far. Um, what else? I always love Walter Mosley, all his Easy Rollins books. And Alex Segura, who wrote the Pete Fernandez series. The latest one is, I believe it's Miami Midnight, I believe is the latest. Also Gary Phillips, who writes the Yvonne Monk series. I would definitely say check out Barbara Neely and Blanche, who created Blanche White, um, Laura Lippman, um, Tess Monahan, And I would say a lot of these also are very geographically. So if you're a Baltimore person, you're going to like, like, you would like Laura Lippman if you are, you know, if you're in Miami, you'll recognize there's a strong sense of place with um, Segura's Pete Fernandez novels. Um, Rachel Housel Hall, who writes um, the detective Eloise Norton, and uh, Henry Chang, who writes the detective Jack Yu. Um, so, and I'm probably leaving out a ton. And of course, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to be like, wait. But um, yeah, I would say I'll say those for right now. Okay. So so that's that's kind of uh, to get a sense of where private detective fiction is in the 2010s. Um, I'm curious to follow up with that. Do you have favorite private detective novels or films um, across the expanse of the genre that you go back to? I do. Um, uh, let's see. I like I like early Dashiell Hammett, um, the stories of the Continental Op, that sort of nameless detective. And he's not a private detective, by the way, but you know he's. He works for a company, but the company is often off in the distance, so he might as well be a private detective. I like. Um, I know this is all about American, but I. But one of my very favorite, favorite, terrific, amazing, hard-boiled authors is Fred Vargas, and she is French, and her novels are all. I believe they're at this point all translated into English. So if, or if there's anybody listening out there who speaks French and who has not heard of Fred Vargas, run, do not walk to your nearest um, bookstore with your mask on and, you know, buy one of those. I also love Ruth Rendell, who is an English author who 
passed away a few years ago and who luckily during her long writing life was incredibly, incredibly prolific. And she's an unbelievably beautiful writer. Um, and psychologically, she's incredible. The characters and the scenes and the, the stuff she creates. So, yeah. Great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your books? Um, oh good. This is a hard question. Um, <laughs> my, when I was doing detectives in the shadows last year, my, um, my, uh, the publisher said that I should have Twitter. So now I have Twitter, um, Susanna and Lee, but that doesn't really, that's not really an online place. Um, oh gosh, I don't know if the Georgetown website, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a, yes. I, do, you, do, you, do you talk about uh, detective fiction on Twitter? Um, yes, I guess so. But that's probably, I guess, not the best place. Um, okay, that, that's uh, fine. Yes. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Susanna Lee, author of... De- yes. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, again, we've been speaking with Susanna Lee, author of Detectives in the Shadows, A Hard-Boiled History. The book is available now, so go buy a copy. And Susanna, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. (laughs) Great. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen to audiobooks during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Reading and writing podcast special offer, get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with code RWPODCAST. That's code RW Podcast for two audiobooks for the price of one for your first month of membership at Libro.fm. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.